welcome again to Awakening Church. You can be seated. I'm Miranda Sprague and my husband, Joey. We are family here at the Awakening. And we just wanted to say thank you for coming this morning to worship with us. If you're new here, we would love to connect with you. Um, after church, there will be many people outside. And please say hi. Uh, another way is at the back of your seat, there's a connect card. You can fill out with contact information and find out more about the ministries we offer here at The Awakening. If you're not new here, I want to do a challenge this week and still pull out that Connect card. And on the back, there's a place where you can ask for prayer or you can give a praise report. And I would love this week to set a record for how many of those came in this week because it's so powerful to have your church staff, your church family, and your pastor be able to pray and intercede and praise with you. So if you can pull that card back behind the seat and fill that out. That would be great. Um, next, I want to release, if you're a middle schooler, we have a special middle school group during service. You can exit out of the back door over there and enjoy that time. And then also just a reminder for junior hires and high schoolers, we have youth group on Wednesday nights. I believe it starts at 630 and it's right in that back venue here. Um, we want to celebrate. So as we know, uh, Pastor Carrie and family last week, right after service, led, uh, left to Tennessee to go to the Alliance Conference. And we, for a couple weeks, were receiving an offering to be able to bless and send 40 missionary couples and families out. And our church was able to bring $7,000 to this offering. So we just want to celebrate that. And thank you so much for your generous and giving hearts. Yeah. Speaking of missions, um, we're excited for this October. It, it's in the works and in the plans to go to Mexico, Guadalajara area, um, and do a what we're calling it as a Mexico trek because we are going to go and support the missionaries who are already there, be able to see the work that they're doing, and be able to come back and continue to raise support and encouragement for all that they are doing in um, God's kingdom. So if you're interested in that, we're looking at the month of October. We don't have all the details or specifics yet, but on that contact card, just put your name, put Mexico, put it in the baskets in the back, um, and Pastor Zach will get in contact with you. And so we're really excited to be able to go on a mission trip this year, right? It's been so long to even travel. And lastly, um, to continue your worship here, if you consider the Awakening Church your family uh, church and home church, you can give your tithes and offering by the envelopes in your back seat and put it in the baskets in the back, or you can text 77977, um, text Awakening, and that'll help you do that easily and quickly. So um, Pastor Kerry and his family are still uh, spending some much-needed time and rest after that conference. Now they are in Indiana spending time with family. So today we have the great privilege to hear from Pastor Oliver, which we're so excited. So Pastor Oliver has been here um, serving and helping in so many ways. So if you would just join me in praying over him as he brings the word of encouragement today. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this beautiful morning. Thank you for the opportunity to come and worship together. Lord, to magnify your name above all else. I pray, Jesus, for Pastor Oliver as he brings your words that the Holy Spirit would be moving, like that song said, just resting upon us, ready to receive every word of encouragement he has from you. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint his, the words of his mouth and that uh, this message that he brings would 
impact us further than this hour, but it would go on and through our weeks and through our lives. So thank you so much for the blessing that he is. He is and we just pray for this um, encouragement. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You don't need, I don't need that. Good morning. Coming up. There you go. All right. Well, it's so wonderful to be able to be with you today. And I want to start with a question for you. Have you ever been embarrassed about something you've done to the point that you are ashamed of it? Please do not raise your hand. <laughs> that would be embarrassing. When I turned 22 years old, that was about 20 years ago, so you can do your math how old I am now. I was celebrating with my buddies. We were having a party. It was a Saturday night. We were drinking beers. And it was about 1 in the morning, 1.30, 1.45 a.m. in the morning. And if you know, by 2, 2 a.m. in the morning, the liquor store will be closed. So I made the decision to tell my buddies, I am going to the liquor store for the last run for the beers so the party can go on. After all, I was only drinking a couple of beers. I mean, what could have gone wrong? I got on my car. I collected all the money before getting on the car. And I said, well, I had enough money for like two cases of beer that would last us for like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Then everybody can go to sleep and wake up with a very bad headache the following day. <clears throat> I got on my car. I start driving. And as soon as I pull out of the place where were we, I noticed there was a police car behind me. I know he was waiting for me to do a mistake. And guess what happened? I did a mistake. <laughs> he pulled me over, and he asked me that question, sir, have you been drinking? And I answered that same answer that everybody answers when they get pulled over after drinking. Sir, I only got a couple of beers. And he said, really? Get out of your car. Let's do some tests here. Walk on this line. Breathe on this thing. And after all that, he said, sir, guess what? You're going to go with me to the police station. You're going to spend the rest of your night in the police station. When I got there, I was in the police station for like six hours. None of my friends came to, the rescue, to rescue me. I didn't get the chance to make a phone call. And I had a lot of time to reflect that that actually was a very bad idea. About $10,000 later in fines and programs and visits and community service, I then realized that it was a very, very stupid idea to drink and drive. But you know what was the worst part of this? Is that I was very ashamed about what I have done. And that's why I was asking you, have you ever been ashamed of something that you've done? I was thinking about what shame does to us. And shame does this. Shame corrodes the very part of us that believes that we are capable of change. When you're ashamed of something, it's very hard for you to believe that there can be something, that you can do something different about it. You actually feel terrible. It's very painful. It hurts a lot. You feel embarrassed to talk about what happened to you. This is what shame does to us. You know, the hurt by, caused by shame is real. It's very, very painful to know that you've done something wrong. 
it is very, very painful to then um, tell others about it because the reality is that when we are ashamed of something we've done, we don't want to talk about it. And then what shame does to us is that takes us into a defensive uh, mode where we don't want anybody to, to, to know what we've done wrong and also take us to hiding to very wrong places. You know, when I was ashamed about what I did, when I got caught driving with a couple of years on me, I really went into a very dark place. I started doing things that were very bad for me because I was hurting, because I didn't want to talk about it, and because I thought that hiding in those wrong places was actually helping me to feel better. You know, today I want to tell you something very important. Shame is one of Satan's favorite weapons against us. And, and he uses shame to stop us from experiencing Jesus' promises for our lives. And why did I say this? Because actually, when we go into the scripture and we go, into the, we go to the Bible from the very beginning in Genesis, we find out that when God created Adam and Eve, God created us, we were actually, humanity actually was in a very nice place. They were in paradise. They don't have to worry about work. They don't have to worry about illness. They don't have to worry about dying. They actually didn't even have to worry about what they were dressing. They were naked. They were completely, they were not embarrassed at all of their condition. But when they disobey, when we read, and then we go into the scripture in Genesis 3, we find out that they disobey the instruction of God, and they ate from that forbidden fruit. And in that very moment, the very first thing that we notice that happens to them is that they realize, the Bible says, they were naked. And you know what? They were naked and they were embarrassed to see each other naked. And what did they do? They run away to hide behind the bushes. Especially when they hear that God was looking for them. The Bible says that God started looking for them and saying, where are you guys? This is paradise. You guys are supposed to be doing okay here. No embarrassing, embarrassment, no shame. But where, where, where are you? And both of them responded with fear that they were hiding because they realized that they were naked. And you know what? They realized that because uh, both of them stood guilty before God, before God, and they were vulnerable to each other and Satan in a whole new horrible way. Suddenly, they went from being in paradise, from being saved, to a very dangerous world, Suddenly, they felt vulnerable about everything that was happening to themselves. They found themselves under God's righteous judgment. But also, they were exposed to the lies and the accusations of the evil one. So Satan started using that embarrassment against them. First to tell Eve, is that really what God told you that you didn't supposed to do? And then second, to really get the punishment of them being Kicked out from paradise. What an embarrassment that would have been. That would have been very, that was very, very hard for them. And then we'll go into what Revelation chapter 12 verse, verse uh, 10 says. It says here, Then I hear a loud voice in heaven say, Now I have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah. But pay attention to this couple of last words here. For the accuser, meaning Satan, of our brothers and sisters, 
who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. So what the Bible is telling us is that Satan is in the, in his favorite work or his favorite thing to do is to accuse us day and night. It's to make us feel that we are in, we cannot come into a relationship with God. It's to make us embarrassed about what we've done wrong. It's like what happens when you do something that you realize that you have failed, but then you're so ashamed about it. And then Satan uses that shame to take you down and even put you into a deeper hole that you, you feel that you get to the point that you feel that you cannot come into a relationship with God. That's exactly what happened to me when I, when I was arrested that night. I felt embarrassed because I didn't know how to tell my mom about it. I, I wanted to be a good, a good boy. I wanted to be a good son. I wanted to be a good example. And I felt really embarrassed to tell my mom. Actually, my mom did not find out about this until like two years later. Because I really was so ashamed about this whole situation. I was dating my wife at that time, who's my wife now, Amy. And she did not know that I have a suspended license for three months. So we're going around in dates and stuff like that. And every time I see a cop, I'm shaking. Because they say, you know what, if they pull me over, I'm going to be in big trouble. You know, that's what sin does to us. That's exactly when we are in a situation that the accuser, Satan, uses those kind of situations to make us feel that we are just one step from getting in trouble again. And from ever being able to change. But then, let me tell you about three other people that if we find in the Bible that they were very once ashamed. And you know, you probably hear the story about this lady, the Samaritan woman. We find her story in John chapter 4. And this is a woman who had had five husbands who would like to come to the well to draw water in the middle of the day to avoid the gossip of other ladies in the town. During that time, uh, women will come early in the morning and right by the evening to get some water for whatever needs they have during the day. But while they were pulling the water out of the well, guess what happened? They started talking about other things that were happening in the town. It was kind of like the Facebook of the day, <laughs> right? They, everybody knew about what was going on in the town. And guess who was in everybody's news feed? The Samaritan woman. Have you heard that she had five husbands? Have you heard the guy that she's living with now is not even her husband? Oh, my gosh. But then Jesus came with his disciples and stopped in this particular well. And she had a, he had an encounter with her. And then she, exact, she knew exactly what was going on with her. She was surprised that, she can actually, that he can actually know everything. And you know what? She was very ashamed. She was trying to avoid the gossip because of her condition, because of what she has done, because of her situation. Then there's this other story about David. King David, one day he came out of his balcony, looked down, and as he was in his castle looking down in the city, he saw a beautiful woman taking a bath. And he was like, wow, she's so beautiful. He got full of lust. Then he committed adultery with this woman. And then he find out that the, the, what, the husband of this woman was in the army, and he decided, because he was the king, to send him to the front of the battle where he got killed. So he not only committed adultery, but he also indirectly or directly committed murder. 
by doing this. To cover up for his mistake, for his embarrassment. And then we know about the story about this woman who was bleeding from 12, for 12 years. You know, during the, the time, during these biblical times, this uh, uh, bleeding was not just an easy thing to talk about. Because actually in the Old Testament, when a woman was going through this process, she was actually considered impure. So anything that she touched or anyone that, he, that she touched or anywhere she went, she needed to actually be purified. Actually, sometimes they needed to stay for seven days outside, sitting in the field, waiting for this whole uh, 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 bleeding to go away so they can actually go back into the community. Now imagine what happened to her after 12 years of dealing with this condition. She was not only considered impure, but she was so weak. She was so tired. And we know that the story says that she's actually a woman with a lot of money. She used her money to pay for doctors and remedies and find ways to stop this. But then she find out that there was a man named Jesus that was in town. And that he was doing miracles, performing miracles. And she said, I'm going to risk it all. I'm going to even hide my condition so I can just get close to him. Close enough just to touch a little piece of his robe. So I can be healed. You see, these three cases or these three stories tells us about people that were once ashamed because of their condition, because of their situation, because of their uh, decisions. They were ashamed. And then this takes me to the next thing. It takes me to, to tell you about where do we hide when we are afraid or ashamed? Like the woman at the well, King David, and the hemorrhaging woman, or, she, or shame frequently encourages to hide in the wrong places. You know, and many times we hide in our homes, in our rooms, in our offices. We hide in our housework, in our yard work, and in the never-ending fixing work of the garage. I moved to our new, we moved to our new house four years ago, and I have n not been able to unpack every single box that I have in my, in my garage. Sometimes we hide our embarrassment and shame in our phones, behind the screen, or in a tablet. Sometimes we do it behind the earphones. We don't want to hear anything. We want to be distracted. Sometimes we do it in Netflix or ESPN or sports. Sometimes we do it by shopping things that we don't need. Right? We'll go to the mall and it's like, oh, it's my shopping therapy. I need to, I need to just forget all these things that are happening to me. So I need to spend, I need to spend the money that I don't have for things that I don't need so then I can sell them for other things that I will not use. <laughs> That's practically what we do. You know, and then what else do we do? Where else do we hide or, or, or shame? Sometimes we do it in alcohol and substance abuse. We want to be medicated because of the pain that we are experiencing. Sometimes we just want to forget the moment. We just want to just get that little high that we can get for a couple minutes. So we can just be disconnected from our reality. Sometimes we do it in our titles or careers 
or social media post or the position that I'm holding at the moment. Sometimes we also hide in the busyness or the procrastination. Sometimes I am too busy to stop and reflect about what's going on with me or simply I say, this is just going to go away. I'm just going to, one day it's going to disappear for sure. Or sometimes we say time will heal it. And sometimes we just lie or we just have diversionary conversations when somebody's asking us about what we are going through, we're just going through something else. Sometimes we do it in pride or sometimes we're very timid. We just want to be extroverts or introverts. I'm just going to walk away from people so nobody knows what's going on with me. Or sometimes I'm just going to be all over the place so everybody thinks that I'm doing great. But you know what? When we are hiding from all these things, we realize that just like the Samaritan woman, just like David, and just like this woman that was bleeding for 12 years, we have our own noontime visits to the well, or sin covers up, and or anonymous touches. We don't want, sometimes we don't want anybody to know what's going on with us. We live in a very dangerous world. The reality is that we all strive for acceptance. We all strive, you know, to, to, for this perfection. And this is where it takes us to this, the next points. Pride moves us to use whatever we can hide or shame. And this is a, 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 a beautiful verse that I was, when I was reading the Bible, I say, you know, God, help me understand why sometimes we cannot be, we cannot break through from the shame. How is it that so many times we live in the embarrassment instead of living in the freedom that you can only give us? And it's because sin is alive in our bodies. And we are threatened persist persistently with weakness. Weakness. Romans chapter 7, verse 23 says this. But I see other law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. That was the Apostle Paul. What a great guy. He went around the world telling everybody about who Jesus was, giving them about the good news of the gospel, telling them that they can actually be free. But as we read in Romans chapter 7, chapter 6, and chapter 8, we see that he was constantly struggling with this. There were things in him that he said, why me, Lord? I struggle with sin. I still deal with this. However, he knew that by the grace of God, he can actually be delivered from this law of sin. So he can actually experience the true freedom that can only be found through the name of Jesus Christ. He, is, he was feeling weak. He was feeling tired. He knew that sin was alive in his body. But he knew that by God's grace and the Holy Spirit, he can actually become strong enough to overcome this. To overcome the sin and to say, yes, I'm weak, but in him I can be strong. Yes, I feel that I'm inadequate, but in him I can be adequate. Yes, I know that he gave it all 
So I can be restored. I can have a new beginning. Whatever happened to me in the past does not need to chase me in my present or in my future because he knows exactly where I am going. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Because when you understand this, then you can start experiencing the true freedom that we can all find in the name of Jesus Christ. The second thing I want to share with you is this. Pride moves us to use whatever we can hide or shame. Because the kind of shame we often experience is a potent combination of failure and pride. No one of us likes to fail. No one of us likes to recognize that we have done something wrong. I'm telling you, when I experienced my, my, my failure, and that was not the only failure I have experienced. I, trust me. I, have a, I was thinking about all this long list of things that I've been embarrassed and ashamed of. But I can tell you that when pride comes into place, and then you combine that with failure, it's a potent combination. It's like cleaning your bathroom with bleach and ammonia. It's deadly. Don't do it, please. You already know that you cannot combine those two. It's the same thing with pride and failure. And most especially in a culture that we are inclined to be told, you are a champion. It doesn't matter you were the last one to make it. You're still number one for us. And that sometimes creates this idea that we need to be perfect all the time. But the reality is that when we remove pride, and we remove failure, and we, re we replace it with humbleness, and we replace it with victory that we have in Jesus, then that potent combination can take us to a different place. That's a beautiful promise of God. And then the next thing I want to share with you is this. Pride moves us to use whatever we can hide for or shame because we also fail to live up to other people's expectations. All of us have done that. I told you, I failed to live to the expectations of my mother, my girlfriend, and even to the expectations of my friends when they noticed that I wasn't going back with the beers that they wanted to drink. <laughs> they all realized something happened to this guy, but nobody there to find out what happened to me. And then I realized that I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. Because even that, God uses to tell us where we need to be. Are you following up with this? Because this is what we need to understand. This is something that we really need to think about. He said, the reason why I'm in shame is because there's expectations that others are expecting of me. But the only expectation that I really need to think about is what the expectations that God has for me. Because if I love God with everything I am and everything I have and every thought and every, everything in me, then I can truly love everybody around me. Because that's what's something that God is calling us to be and to do. So think about this, because I think this is going to be a breakthrough. It's going to really break chains. It's going to liberate us to experience the promises that Jesus has for you and for me. So I'm going to share with you some keys, or the key to breaking shame's power. And that key is found in the gospel, in the word of God. You know, I talk about us hiding in the wrong places, to hide our shame, to hide all these things that makes us embarrassed. But I want to invite you to do something different today. We all need a place to hide. We do. 
But I want you to think, or I want you to, 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 to hide in Jesus Christ. If you hide in Jesus, then you can actually know that you can break through any shame or embarrassment that you may be facing. Hide in the refuse of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 6 to uh, uh, chapter 6, verses 18 to 20. It says like this God did God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be great, greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure, it enters the, the, the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered our own behalf. He has become the high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Meaning to say, it is Jesus who allows us to come into the presence of God. It is Jesus who is the one that went ahead of us so we can actually Move from shame to the freedom that we can find in his name. That we can actually hide in him and say, whenever I feel embarrassed for what I've done, whenever I'm struggling with something that maybe somebody did to me, whatever I'm struggling with my decisions or everything, my relationships or things that I have done, then I know that I can hide in Jesus and ask Jesus and say, I need your help. I know you went ahead of me. I feel that I cannot have a relationship with God, but I know that through you, I can actually establish a relationship with you today. Then, another thing that is important for us to know is this. Jesus' death and resurrection is the only remedy for shame we feel over our grievous sin failures. I, when I got in this trouble with driving under the influence, I had to attend Double A meetings. That's part of the rehab program. And I was sitting down there and I look at, listen at everybody and I listen to all these people be very angry about their, their problem. And I scratch my head and I say, how can this help me out? How can I really truly be delivered? I know that this is a program that has been effective for so many years and I know it's helping a lot of people around the world. But you know what? I myself needed something permanent, something that really can take me out from the shame that I have to a place of freedom. And that's when I understood that the only thing, that the only remedy that I needed, that I can have, was understanding that Jesus died for my sins, that Jesus suffer the embarrassment on the cross, suffer the, the, the pain in the cross, suffer everything so I can actually be delivered from the accuser. I can be delivered from the accusation. And you know what? In Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26, this, Otherwise, Christ will have, will have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. I just want you to take a moment to think about this. Because sometimes when we talk about the sacrifice of Jesus, it's hard for us to understand what that really means to us. 
I don't know if you ever had experienced excruciating pain. I have. Not just emotional pain, but the excruciating pain of having a surgery or having some kind of illness and going through all that journey. Two years ago, I broke my leg when I was doing a mission trip in Mexico. And I have to fly in an emergency flight from Mexico City to, to Tijuana and from Tijuana to here to Riverside. And I tell you that after I got my surgery, that, the follow, that night, two, the two days later, I was laying on my bed and I experienced the worst pain I ever felt in my leg. I felt like an alligator was biting on my leg. And I remember screaming and crying and saying, I even told God, God, just take away my leg. I don't want to deal with this pain. It is so hurt. It's so hard to, to be in this kind of pain. But then, you know what? As I was crying and I was screaming and I was like begging for the pain to go away, God used that very moment to remind me what Jesus went on the cross, what he suffered on the cross, the kind of physical pain, the excruciating pain. But that was not only the only pain that he experienced. It was also the pain in his heart. All the weight, all the sin of the world fell on his shoulders while he was in that cross. So you and I can truly experience freedom from sin, freedom from embarrassment and shame, the opportunity to have a new birth, the opportunity to be free from the accuser and the condemnation. And that's what he did because he gave away, with, with, with what he did, all, this, all the, sacri the sacrifice he did took away all the sin of the world. And then there's nothing else to go there is no, nowhere else to go with your sin or in failure. There's no other place that we can go with it. There's no other atonement or replacement for it. And you know what? Sometimes we try to do that. Sometimes we try to come up with ways or agreements or deals and say, I'm going to try really hard to be a good person. I'm going to try to like, be careful how I, you know, when I do certain things. But over and over, we find ourselves falling into the same thing. And this is what we need to understand that in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, the word says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's no other, no other name. We can find different ideas and ways of how we're going to resolve things, but when we're dealing with shame and embarrassment, when we're dealing with, we're dealing with these accusations, you know, we need to learn to hide in Jesus and say, Jesus, you pay it all. Jesus, you really took, took care of all these things. And you, you know, um, when you do something like that, when bad things happen to you, don't get stuck in the moment. Learn, let God show you what is the purpose that he is allowing you to go through this. Why is he allowing you to go through this situation? Because I'm sure, and I guarantee you, that out of the good, out of the bad things, God will do something good. Out of the complications and the hardships and the embarrassment, if you allow God to work through you, even the worst embarrassment that you may face actually can be used to bless others and to encourage others and to let others know that they don't need to be stuck on that. Because I'm thinking, if I would have just been stuck on my embarrassment, 
I was already drinking. I was not a heavy drinker, but I was already thinking, you know what? Maybe I just keep drinking. What is the solution for this? There's not going to be a way out of this. I mean, I already done it, so I'm not going to care anymore. I only live once, but I cannot be thinking that way. Because if I think that way, then I am falling in the lies of the accuser. I am falling in what he wants me to be in. He wants me to be stuck in the shame and the embarrassment. And then I know the, last, the last thing so we can uh, have this uh, key to breaking shame's power is, but if we hide in Jesus, because if we hide in Jesus, he promises us to give us a complete cleansing. And what that means is, just like 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 20 years ago, if somebody would have told me there will be one day where you can be standing in front of people and looking at a camera so people all over the place, all over the world, can be listening to this testimony, and you can tell them about how you can, you know, you can go from shame to freedom. If somebody would have told me that 20 years ago, I would just have laughed about that. I would have just said, that's not possible. I would have said, you know what? There's no way, there's no way that can happen. But I tell you that through this situation and many more, as I mentioned, that I don't have the time to tell you all the list because that's also not my point to give you all the list of things that I'm being embarrassed about or ashamed about. But I can tell you that out of that moment, God really just took hold on me and started showing me what he wanted for my life. What he wanted me to, 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 to experience. What was the purpose for him, for, my, for, for me, and what was the, 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 the thing that he wanted me to, to do? You know, after that, I went into a journey looking for God, asking him to help me, asking him to forgive me, asking him to help me overcome this shame. I was able to, like, finish this whole program. I was able to, like, pay all my fines. I was able to, like, share with my friends about the gospel and the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was able to like heal from the pain and the suffering that this caused to my life. And then I told God, I said, you know what? Here I am. Do whatever you want with me. I don't want to be dealing with this stuff anymore. And God said, you know what? I'm going to take you from shame to fame. And I'm not talking about the celebrity status here. I'm talking about I'm going to remove you from where the accuser thought that you were going to remain. And I'm going to take you to where I wanted, to, wanted you to be from the beginning. And I want to show you and I want to use you for my honor and my glory. And you know what? I, this, is, this is really blows up my mind. Because when I understood that, I say, God, do it. And then... Here I am standing in front of you, yeah. 20, 20 years later. But, you know, I, I always ask God, and I always told the Lord this. 
let me share this hope and this love of yours both with those ones that are the most vulnerable ones but with those ones that are really ashamed, not because of what they've done, but because of where they are and where did they live. And I tell you, God has taken me in too many places. But there is one particular video that I want to share with you. That this is, when I watched this video, this was recorded about two years ago. And I was praying about, God, just give me a highlight of what you've done in my life. And he reminded me about this video. Hola a todos. Les quiero mandar un saludo desde Pachacute, en Perú. Y estoy con muchos de mis amigos acá, nuevos amigos que tengo, y les quieren mandar un saludo a todos ustedes. These are children in a church. If you notice the walls, made out of pallets. They live up in the hills in the outskirts of Lima, Peru. And they can be ashamed of so many things. Shame of being poor, ashamed of not having a dad in their families. Most of these kids are children of single mothers. They're broken. And when I walk into that church out of metal pallets, and I step foot in there, and I just step for one minute, and I say, God, you've been so good to me. You've been so good because you really took me out of the darkness so I can be a shining light for you. I'm no longer ashamed of who I was. And I hope that you're no longer ashamed of whatever is going on with you. I hope that today you can truly experience what Jesus has for your life. I don't know where he's going to take you. I don't know what he wants to do with you. But I know he has a wonderful plan for your life. And I know that he wants you to experience his full promises so you can actually be an, a channel of blessing for others. So you can use your testimony to bring glory and honor to his name. You know, just like that Samaritan woman. She's not she's not we don't remember about her or, or we don't think about her as the woman that had five husbands. We know her as someone that was transformed by her en en encounter with Jesus Christ and went around and told everybody about who Jesus was. She became the greatest evangelist, the greatest channel of communication of the gospel in that town. She was no longer embarrassed. No more noontime visits for her. And then David Yes, he did sin, and yes, he did commit all these atrocities and bad things. But he is, we remember him as a man after God's own heart. As someone that God used mightily for his glory and his honor. And that woman that was bleeding for 12 years, Jesus is no longer, we don't remember about her 
for bleeding, but we remember her as one of the greatest miracles of how Jesus can heal someone. And you know, my last question for you is this. How will people remember you? How will you let Jesus touch your life so you can be a blessing for people here, for people in other places, and for people all over the world? There is one thing that we need to do, and one thing is required. John chapter 14, 1 says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus himself speaking to his disciples during the Last Supper, during the time that he was about to go into the cross. The disciples were terrified about what was about to happen to them. But Jesus told them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled for the embarrassment that you may go through. But believe, if you believe in God, believe in me also. My question is, if your heart is troubled, if you're going through something right now, I, I invite you to believe in God, to believe in Jesus, to surrender your life, to be reminded that you are not longer in the place of shame, but you can be taken to the place of fame. Let us pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me and for all of us. I thank you that we cannot longer live in shame, but we can be in your presence. That by your sacrifice, by your suffering, by everything that you went through in the cross, we can actually experience a new beginning, a new birth, and a new opportunity. I pray, Lord, for anyone here that needed to hear this message today. May I ask you, Lord, that you will pierce their hearts, change their lives like the same way you done it did with me. I ask you, Lord, that this day will be a day of new beginnings where we can experience the hope and the restoration that can only be found in your name. We want to leave this place feeling refreshed, restored, comforted, and full of hope knowing, Lord, that you actually can give us the freedom and the, and, the, and the opportunity, Lord, to experience the breakthrough from shame. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Holy Spirit, and I thank you, Father, for this time. 
Bless each one of us. Be with us through this week. Allow us to seek you and find you. And Lord, we thank you for the peace that you can give us today. We love you, and we pray all this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I would like to invite you, if there is a way that we can serve you, the, a way that we can pray for you, behind your chairs there is a prayer card. I would like to encourage you to pray, to put your prayer request there. If there is anything that we can actually do for you as a community, please let us know. We would like to be praying for you. There is also a prayer team that we have here in the church that will be very happy to to pray with you, and if any of you would like to talk to any of us during the week, we would like to be here for, for, for your service, to encourage you and to help you go through this journey that uh, we all are going through. The Lord bless you. It's been a blessing to see each one of you, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week.